Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. However long you might have been listening to this program, whether it's something you just stumbled upon last week, whether it's a year, whether it's a couple of years longer, you've never heard me say anything nearly as stupid as what I'm about to say. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. How do you not stay tuned after that teaser, huh? <laughs> Welcome to Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates in the same place that you found this. Ready? Seriously stupid. The Steelers aren't going to miss TJ Watt anywhere near as much as what you likely think. Sunday in Orchard Park against the Bills. Why, why would anyone say something as nonsensical as that? The defensive player of the year, and he'd better get it. He's leading in every relevant statistic, every relevant real statistic anyway. The NFL's now three-time leader in sacks. The first player in the league since sacks became an official statistic in 1982 to lead three times. Now, you can go way, 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 way back and find guys who had more in the 60s and so forth, but not since it became official. And on top of that, on top of all of that, as if you need more, the Steelers are 1-10 and in games when TJ doesn't play. 1-10! and I mean, that, that should be all anybody needs to know to bet the whole house on Buffalo. Except for one thing. Well, no, no, no. Two things. It's highly likely that whoever would go ahead and bet that whole house wouldn't know the slightest thing about the impacts that both Marcus Golden and Nick Herbig have had on this defense. If there's a deeper position on this depth chart, then outside linebacker, I am completely unaware of it. Because when you're talking about TJ on one side, Alex Highsmith on the other, and then these two guys, one of them experienced and still highly effective, the other one hardly having any experience and really hardly ever getting any snaps, and all he does every time he's on the field is blow things up, especially if you're only observing... This team, from afar, and let's say over the past three weeks, you're not going to really have that much of an idea about either Golden or Herbig. Because the fact is, TJ and Alex seldom left the field. Why? Because the Steelers finally got good offensively. Steelers got good offensively. They weren't out there for anywhere near as many defensive snaps, didn't need nearly as many spells. But that's not you. 
That's not you. You watch them all the time because you're someone who woke up today and pressed play on a podcast called Daily Shot of Steelers. So you have no excuses. They do. You don't. You've seen that every time either TJ or Alex is out of there, one of these two comes onto the field and you hear their name. You usually hear it in a big way accompanied by lots of screaming. Because they're not Malik Reed. They're not Anthony Ciccolo. These are real, live, impactful edge rushers who can find their way to the quarterback, who have the athleticism, the know-how, and very, very, very much the want to. I've been sharing the story, the, the growing story of both of these players, Golden and Herbig, for you over the full season. They shouldn't be any secret to anyone who listens to this show. I've interviewed them for you. I've laid out who they are for you anecdotally, meaning away from the football field. And then in turn, you've seen them. You saw it again. You saw Herbig in Seattle show up huge. You saw Golden show up in that monsoon in Baltimore show up huge. There have been times, and forgive me for this, anybody who's offended, but there have been times when I've wondered why either one of those isn't spelling Highsmith more often because we will see Highsmith go for long stretches without having his number or name called. Now, are either of these individuals TJ? No, of course not. Of course not. Will TJ be missed? Yes, of course he will. Even if it's just from a scheming standpoint, even if it's just from forcing the Buffalo coaches to agonize over how to minimize the damage that one player can do, yes, yes, yes. But will this be the thing that brings down the Steelers? No. No, I don't believe that for a split second. I really don't. In fact, if you get right down to the matchup at hand, what the Steelers' priority has always been in facing Josh Allen, and they've been more successful against him than most opponents, including when the Bills were good, is to close him off from the sides, very similar to what they've done to Lamar Jackson, meaning go ahead and pursue him, just make sure he doesn't get outside you. It's a combination edge rush slash ceiling of the pocket. If there's anyone in football that's been better at this than the Steelers, the evidence is lacking because teams have looked to the Steelers and their methods for facing the Ravens for years now as guides for how they could also do the same thing against Lamar. This might be an area where it's a little bit of a concern for Herbig, who's so young, but it probably won't be for Golden. Dude's been around. Dude's been doing this for a while. And he, too, has experience in a Pittsburgh uniform against Baltimore. So he'll know how to handle both elements that are involved in this. Now, don't misunderstand this to mean the other extreme is in play either, which is that, hey, the Steelers are just going to roll over this team and 
not having TJ isn't a big deal. I'm not saying that either. There might be things that undo the Steelers. I just don't think it'll be this. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's J1Q comes from Chris, who asks, DK, what is causing Najee Harris to look like an elite running back these past two weeks? Chris, the best thing about your question is that you kind of sneaked in the answer, maybe unwittingly, yourself. Because you pointed to the past two weeks and not the past three in which the offense has done really well. But that included the home game against the Bengals in which Najee wasn't good at all. He wasn't finding the holes he needed to find. He was turning the wrong direction. He was hesitant. He was all those things that along the way some of us haven't liked about his style. The past two weeks... I'm going to take this probably to a level you didn't expect because I've been critical of him. But I always tell you guys, I don't hold grudges. I don't take sides. I don't ride somebody's train or whatever it is. I just look at what's there and try the best that I can to form an educated opinion on it. Najee hasn't looked like an elite running back the past two weeks. He's been one. He's been a running back. All 32 teams would covet, and I mean in a feature role. And the reason for that, if you think this was going to be one of those situations where I'd say, well, the offensive line's really done a better job, or Mason Rudolph's made sure that he has all kinds of additional running lanes because he's keeping defenses honest, I could do that. And to some extent, both of those statements, if I made them, would be accurate. But I'm not going to, because what I've seen over these past two weeks looks not only like an elite running back, looks like a franchise running back, looks like a guy who you could identify with the Pittsburgh Steelers, somebody you don't want to run into, either (laughs) metaphorically or certainly not physically. He looks like that guy, that unfair guy that you just brought to the playground and everyone else, as they watch your team step onto the field, goes, oh, no, man, not him. And he's smiling because he knows he's got two and a half hours of torturing you and trampling you. That's what he's looked like. That's what that situation looked like in Baltimore. And and yeah, I know Ravens didn't have Roquan Smith, whatever. That's That's not my problem in analyzing this. The Seahawks had Bobby Wagner. Didn't matter. Because he trampled them and stiff-armed them and went left and right and up the middle. And if you look at his running tree that's illustrated now, you can find it easily and everywhere. For both of these games, there's been no pattern. There's been not one spot where you could say, oh, yeah, he's just capitalizing on Broderick Jones or they're sending Darnell Washington in this direction or whatever. It's all over the place. It's a full tree. Like it's got 
leaves falling from both sides of it. He's going right up the gut sometimes. Right up the gut. And you know what I'm talking about because those have actually been some of the more impressive runs. He's going right through the defense for 9, 10, 12 yards. And then, of course, there are those angry runs. Those are the ones that make the highlights. Those are the ones that get everyone psyched up. But they haven't impressed me nearly as much as the five and the seven yarders. Because those are the cases where he's making the right call. He's getting to the hole. He's getting to it in a hurry. And then from there, he's seeing, he's feeling the right way to go. And then he takes it for a few extra. That's what a great running back does. One more time with gusto so nobody thinks I'm tiptoeing on this. That's what a great running back does. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers, and we will have another of these tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.